Uh, look, listeners, uh, I know um, a lot of you probably enjoyed both of us finding out about Sweden for the first time uh, last episode. Um, and it's time to go to the last half of our interview with Gunnar, uh, where he gets in-depth and we go step-by-step uh, step through the Olaf Palme assassination. Um, it's the craziest shit I've ever heard. It, they, they, they investigated that assassination the same way that Israel protects their fucking APCs from ground troops. It's insane. The, the Swedish police are the IDF of cops. It's shocking. Uh, no, it's a, it actually was. It was actually shocking. All right. Well, let's go. The interview with Gunner. All right. So, uh, if we should skip up a bit and simply go to the murder. It's 1986, uh, and this is... Uh, I, yeah, I think this is the... Uh, the election is going to be this year. Uh, and he... Uh, it's, uh, it's winter, uh, 28th of February. Uh, Olaf Palme and his wife, uh, they decide to... They they they're talking to his uh, Olaf Palme's son, like their son, and they decide that uh, they're uh, they're going to go to the movies. This isn't, isn't something that's pre-planned. They decide it like that day, and they uh, decide that they're going to see a a Swedish comedy called The Mozart Brothers. Uh, I like to point out that the, the other three films that they could have seen that evening was Run by Akira Kurosawa. They could have seen uh, Mozart. And they could have seen uh, the Soviet film Come and See. So I don't think there actually has been in the history of cinema a stronger showing on any given evening. But he went with the now completely forgotten Swedish comedy The Mozart Brothers. Um, so, yeah. So, but I, I think uh, like uh, his son had already said a scene. Uh, Mozart and I mean come and see and run is, isn't I mean it's not like you want to relax after a uh, like a a week of running Sweden uh, so <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah but uh, so they go and see that film uh, and uh, uh, before it goes out he, he he phones and he talks with an old member of like the Swedish Social Democratic Party, who I might add also used to be the uh, Swedish like the liaison between the Social Democrats and the like stay behind, uh, which is one of those things that uh, who knows uh, it might be significant, but um, or as I said like it might not be, but it was just like one of those little things. Um, so stay behind might have had uh, foreknowledge. Who knows? Or not. Um, so they go to the cinema, uh, they uh, see the film, and then after the film they stay They stay a bit after because uh, uh, Olaf Palme, uh, he likes talking to like uh, the common man, but uh, his wife doesn't super love it when people on the street come up and uh, start discussing with Olaf Palme. Uh, Olaf Palme doesn't have any... Uh, bodyguards with him because he uses uh, bodyguards like when he's on official business but in his spare time he, he doesn't use them because as I said he's very much a based uh, guy like he, he rules the country but if the common man wants to come up to him and like ask why are you doing this and that he very much likes to be able to just answer them like uh... <laughs> Well, maybe not that far, but like he he likes to be approachable and to kind of like be accountable. Uh, so they stay a while and then uh, they kind of just they have discussed like should we go back to uh, should we have like a cup of tea together or they decide to split up. So the son and his girlfriend they go one way and Olaf Palme and his wife they go the other way and. Uh, Having gone something like half a kilometer, uh, a guy walks up to them from either from the side or from behind, 
puts his hand on Olaf Palme's shoulder, maybe says a few words, we don't know, and then uh, shoots first Olaf Palme and then uh, fires off a shot that just grazes his wife, Lisbeth. He looks uh, like down at them like for a second or two and then he takes off and starts running. Uh, immediately after the shot, like two or three people rush forward to give first aid to Olaf Palme. Uh, and that's one of those cases where you can see that in general, like pe- people are good, people mm-hmm. want to help. Um, and uh, there's, a, there's a guy who kind of like looks and hesitates, but after a while decides to take a pursuit. The police are at the site within three minutes. Uh, two minutes later, uh, an ambulance is there. So things has gone as good as they mm-hmm. could, basically, in that situation. Yeah. They were close by, and also there was a cab driver at the site, and he he called into the taxi central, and they alerted the police. And there, there, this is like central Stockholm, so uh, within a one-kilometer radius, there was something like 30 police. Oh, wow. Um, and uh, like so far, so mm. good. The problem... Mm. So he was shot in the shoulder? Uh, he, he was shot like straight through his heart and spine from behind. Oh, yeah. You don't want that. That's rough. So uh, the thing is that he was dead before he hit the oh, pavement, man. basically. And uh, Lisbeth was just grazed. Uh, and But I think someone, like, it's not entirely certain because her wounds were never properly examined. But odds are that if the gunman had had just like a one or two degree different angle that the gun had, uh, the bullet would basically have done the same to her as it did to him. There's also some uncertainty whether like the second shot was actually aimed at her because uh, if if you try to fire off two shots and uh, you kind of committed to the movement, it's sometimes called the delay effect. So if you didn't expect Palme to completely just collapse uh, after the first and you shoot at the place where he was supposed to be if he hadn't collapsed, that can have been what happened. So. Some people make a lot of uh, Lisbeth only being grazed, and uh, I might add that there are lo- lots of stupid theories, uh, which has like, uh, like you know, what, in uh, Midsummer, exactly like Midsummer Murder. It's always the person who just got injured but not killed who's actually That's the very killer. Dull. That's a but very I mean, dull that, theory. exactly, it's extremely stupid, and also like. No one's that good with a gun, so they that they can shoot off something that just graces your yeah. spine. Uh, just like no, 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 no. And like, was the this way of shooting him? Was it very professional because it was like it was like a pure mm-hmm. kill? Uh, but like, if it had been like slightly to slightly off in some directions, it would just have gone through him and hadn't made any damage. Yeah, but like if you have it basically touching his back, I mean, uh, so it, but 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 the Lisbeth shot wasn't at that short distance. Uh, I've never missed anything. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a crack shot. But yeah, but but the, the interesting thing is that uh, when people talk about this, people like to make make big hay of, of things like this. Like, so either it shows that he was a professional. Or it shows that it was just a guy who put the gun against the back and pulled yeah. the trigger. Um, it was, he was also shot with a very special ammunition. Mm. It was actually so-called metal piercing ammunition. Really? And uh, some people say that that shows that it, it must have been like a very special operation because they had access to these weird mm-hmm. bullets. And then you can also make the argument that it's a very... If you're going to shoot someone at that distance, uh, like why on earth would you have a, a metal piercing bullet that kind of like usually just goes through mm. you? Uh, you should have a hollow point or something. E- exactly. 
So, I mean, you can have it both ways because on one hand it can be that the killer was prepared, like even if he was in a bulletproof limo, he would have mm. got him, the professional that he was. Or the other theory is that this was, it was basically a speed junkie who uh, used some cool bullets that uh, he had bought because they were so mm. cool. <clears throat> but, exactly. Because uh, the police are there very shortly and you kind of, like, things couldn't have gone mm. better. But the problem is that from that point, everything just start, uh, start going to shit. Uh, because first, like, they make a police cord and it's too small. It's, it's something like uh, 40 square meters uh, or, like, in your terms, like 350 uh, square feet. You don't have to do that. All our listeners know kilometers. I'm the only one who doesn't. <laughs> yeah, like it's it's like it's a tiny police cordon. Like uh, most people have lived in flats bigger than the police cordon. Uh, so uh, people during the night, people throw in roses and stuff. So uh, yeah, exactly. And like it's snow outside, but they they never really, for example, managed to photograph uh, footprints or something. So you don't have a footprint. You don't have anything. They managed to do something to Olaf Palme's coat. So if it's true that the assailant actually touched the coat, uh, well, I, I, they did something like dry clean it or something. Like it's you can't find anything. I don't know exactly what they did, but they managed to fuck it up. Uh, they failed to fi- find the bullets. Uh, the bullets are actually found the day after and a couple of days later by a nurse and a, an Indian journalist. Uh, and uh, the bullets are later then like handled in like in a chain of custody where it plays it 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 passes like six different people and then they are <laughs> sent off to a isotope lab in Germany and uh, before that someone uh, to make sure that the bullets are like so they get a good reading actually clean the bullets. Okay. Um, <laughs> okay. Well, we want to make sure that we get a totally clean reading, no fingerprints or anything like that on there. So, so like first, like the bullets are found by two civilians, and they are found like at like a, a later time, which makes some people like there are theories that these are not the correct sure. bullets. Sure. And then you have like one hundred different opportunities where the bullets could have been switched because people are just handling them in crazy ways. And then before you do anything with them, you clean them. So is being a cop this in is, Sweden not um, like a respected profession? Or are they just getting who you know? Is it the, uh, is it the I, top I, of the class? I, I don't think the top of the yes, class. I, I'm, go, I'm, go, I'm going to put it like this. I think that Swedish policemen are as good as policemen in any country. The problem that the police in Sweden have is that the sheer leading squad for the police in Sweden uh, isn't as strong. And we have much better freedom of information Ooh. acts. So the problem is that we know how badly they fucked up. Okay. <laughs> if, I'm going yeah, to, sure. if I'm going to have a like a comparison here, there's uh, another investigation which was about this bad, and that was the investigation into the Unabomber. Mm-hmm. Sure. Uh, the investigation into the Unabomber, I think it went on for like twenty years, and I think at at the end they had like. T- 30 million people in the investigation like named individuals and despite that like they they couldn't find the guy uh, before his brother basically called them up after having seen the manifesto in the paper and said well it's my brother because he writes and talks exactly like this here you have like letters that he had sent to me and I have basically underlined the parts that are exactly the same as his manifesto so after having uh, like used like 20 people for 20 years or like i think it was it was like 50 people for 20 years uh you have like this the guy on the street basically said it's my, it's my brother oh. and these cops in the united states are having hagiographies written about them yeah. Yeah, uh, because they're the guys who caught the unabomber uh, and like in sweden like even if they were to uh, find who killed Olaf Palme. There's never going to be a, an hagiography. Like we, <laughs> no. Like the anti-cop sentiment in Sweden is very old. Like uh, the um, 
You guys didn't get a good event like 9-11 to change that around for you. Uh, no, uh, we oh, poor didn't. Swedish, poor uh, Swedish cops. It, it, it's also like the, the big like Swedish, like the cop dramas are all about uh, written by like communists and people who hate cops. Oh, okay. I got to watch some of that. Uh, yeah, like uh, there's, uh, there's one guy who, the most famous, who has also written about the Palmer murder, but... Uh, you've actually seen something about by him, but it's been mangled in the translation to English, and that's uh, Backstrom. Uh, the original for that uh, TV series uh, is extremely anti-cop, uh, and in the original, the uh, main cop is basically a venal, disgusting little pig who uh, tries basically to... He sees a murder as a, an opportunity to get a free trip and uh, to to eat on the uh, the expense account of the uh, of the state mm-hmm. uh, like his his main motivations in life is to basically eat and drink for free uh, and maybe to get to fuck some of the witnesses um, but in the translation to english becomes they they wanted to make a, like a doctor house in uh, cop uh, environment wow. so that doesn't they have some of his venality when he tries to like get overtime and stuff like that in the series but no so like it's there has been lots of things written about this and the, the, the cops come out of it very bad like looking in every in every way of it but so that was just like the bullets uh, they also don't very much the problem when the prime minister gets shot is that no one knows what to do when the prime minister gets shot. So everyone, ev- ev- everyone assumes that the big decisions are going to be taken by like the adults. Uh, like if the prime minister is shot, I mean it's not a lowly policeman like me that's going to call the uh, airports and say close the airports, like shut the borders. Uh, we're doing a lockdown until we figure this out. And they didn't have they didn't have like any sort of plan you know activate code orange or something like no no mm-hmm. no no uh, so what basically happened is that everyone tries to get hold of the chief of police in Stockholm who's kind of like known to be a social democratic party whisperer because I think that they everyone kind of wants to have they don't they kind of like want the right guy to be the one taking the right decisions. And sure. he's nowhere to be seen because he's uh, resting for a cross-country skiing race in, uh, <laughs> well, uh, up north. I mean, to kind of reiterate like what you're saying, that this isn't really uniquely bad. Uh, recently uh, here in Chicago, uh, over the last few years on Mexican Independence Day, there have been these large caravans of uh, people driving driving their cars slowly, waving the Mexican flag, kind of partying in the streets. And this has happened now for three years, pretty consistently. And the cops still don't know what they're doing about it. The closed streets, uh, they tell people, they go on the news and they say, you don't need to show your ID to get home. And then they close the streets and everyone's saying, oh my God, I need to show my ID to get to my house. Uh, <laughs> Because at every level, the lower cops are like, well, we don't really, no one's kind of telling us what to do. So we're just going to kind of do what we think we should. Uh, (laughs) And there's just no coordination at all, uh, even after several years of this event happening. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, and well, it's very much like that. And especially during the first night, because it takes forever until a nationwide alert goes out. And when it goes out, it's... uh, this is like a classic case uh, that th- then they're talking about like a gunman and an accomplice, like the mythical second guy. <clears throat> uh, and then they like initially it's like a guy with a blue uh, overcoat or like a sports coat, uh, uh, who uh, and uh, a second guy who are probably connected to Ustasha. Uh, first. First, they drop uh, this reference to Ustasha. Where that came from is a bit uncertain. I have heard some reports that Elizabeth Palmer uh, talked about Ustasha at the crime scene, but that's uh, <clears throat> everything that happened at the crime scene is very, very muddy. Did um, they have, were they a presence uh, for uh, Swedish politics? Ustasha is the Croatian fascist yeah. group, right? Uh, they had actually, uh, an Ustasha guy had uh, killed uh, the. Uh, 
uh, Yugoslav ambassador in Stockholm a few years back. Mm. And the same guy had also a few years earlier done a plane hijacking. Okay, so uh, they were so, they were in people's minds previously. Yeah, yeah. The thing is that like since Sweden was a neutral country, like we had everyone here, and that's <laughs> uh, that that's the thing that you can basically find. You can basically find any guy you that's want. That's really but... what I want to get into today. Like, I want to talk about the potential suspects, the interest groups involved. Like, uh, you know, yeah. particularly with like assassinations, that kind of thing. I find the um, particular events to just be uh, confusing to me. Um, but I, I can yeah. I can understand the broad political stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, I know the Kurds are <laughs> the Kurds were blamed. Mm-hmm. The Ustasha was blamed. Yeah. The uh, uh, the KGB was blamed. Like, uh, can you go into some of the potential suspects here oh, or the uh, okay. people viewed as potential suspects yeah uh, Ustasha I would say I would almost say that they are like one of the stronger cases uh, because if Elizabeth Palmer said something about Ustasha uh, then it might be something that the gunman said right before he sh- uh, shot Olof Palmer uh, that might have, have made her associate to Ustasha and that would then be like the only connection to something actually observed at the scene of the crime. Um, but apart from that, there's a connection to India, actually. Uh, and that has to do with the uh, Bofors uh, Swedish uh, gun manufacturer. They had a corruption scandal that was brewing and was that was going to break a bit later. Because uh, there had been some bribes in the deal with uh, India with these guns, and like ten percent of the money uh, had kind of like gone through intermediaries and then disappeared. That's rookie numbers. And come on, when, yeah, when but weapons I deal mean, you can get fifty-fifty easy, you know? Yeah, but I mean it, it's still a lot of money, and usually these things get buried. But indication was that the Swedish, like Sweden, was going to make a stink about this. Was the theory? Uh, and then, like the guy who was had like vouched that everything was going to be a okay with this, uh, either was pushed in front of a uh, uh, subway trolley. I want to say subway, yeah, exactly subway trolley. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, like a few oh months God, later. I thought for a second, you were going to say a, a submarine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Back to... but, but, exactly. <laughs> but that was the problem because that was the word that kept showing up in my mind, and I know, no, he didn't get shoved in front of a submarine. The word is in the case, <laughs> submarine. No, not submarine. Subway, a subway where you have this sub submarine course. Ugh, subway course. Yeah, uh, and it's a bit unclear if he was murdered or if he just killed himself. Um, and then you have like the Kurds. The theory was that it had to do with the decision of. Uh, the Swedish state not to grant Öcalan's uh, uh, wife uh, asylum, and they had also done kind of a lockdown on uh, P- suspected PKK sympathizers after uh, there had been two different uh, assassinations of the PKK defectors in mm. Stockholm and uh, the nearby town Uppsala. Mm, so the PKK was uh, the, there was uh, some political violence going on from the Kurds. It wasn't like yes, you know here are but, these like foreigners or whatever. Uh, yeah, but the, a large the thing is that, in, uh, Sweden, yeah, yeah. Uh, but but almost all of the their violence was Kurd on Kurd. Sure, like the PKK killed defectors because the, the defector is the guy who can kill you. But um, uh, the, the other thing here is probably that. Uh, because Sweden had a large uh, Kurdish population, uh, the emit the um, uh, Turkish intelligence agency MIT probably had a lot of like discussions with the Swedish secret police. So I I think that they have might been fed. Sure, that so makes ex- that makes perfect sense. Yeah, that makes perfect so, sense. So because because we're a neutral country and we we don't really like. I, I think a lot of people didn't want to talk to us uh, because... Uh, it'll get to the Soviets, that, it'll get to the, the Americans, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, or something like that. And we don't really have anything to trade. But I mean, the Turks, I think the Turks always loved speaking to us, especially about <laughs> the uh, perfidy They want to speak to anyone. The they want to shit on the Kurds anywhere they can. Oh, my God. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so, but uh, 
then we have like some other connections for example south africa like palmer was killed uh, a week after this uh, or within a week of this uh, the people's parliament against apartheid and sweden had very much supported the, the anc uh, there was a connection to chile a few years earlier there's a there is some indication actually this information was given to sweden by the fbi that in the 70s uh, michael townley who was uh, a kind of agent who had done some work for the chileans he had uh, blown up one of the like old and ministers in oh, uh, DuPont it's actually in the us yeah yeah, yeah. I, i've been there. it's uh, yeah. uh it, it's been said that he had a contract to kill Olaf Palme in the 70s. Mm. He was going to kill him in Spain, but it didn't happen. And then maybe this was his, like, uh, maybe second he tried again. Or like, or yeah, or if it was a second contract to someone else. But, but that was never really followed up on. Mm-hmm. Um, there is also, like, a named person from South Africa. And there are some photos on uh, like a Swedish airport where there's someone who kind of looks like him, mm-hmm. but there's photos from <laughs> other angles and then it doesn't really look like him. So it's kind of doubtful. <laughs> there's also like a, a guy who like the week after kind of went to live in uh, Northern Cyprus and was never heard from again, was okay. some kind of like yes, Swedish. And he had some contacts to the South Africans and uh, there's been some discussions about him, but uh, but there are like there are infinitely many people who have been suspected of this. Mm-hmm. There have been something like twenty different police officers who they felt that they had to look look into. Uh, yeah, this is this is a million times better than the JFK assassination. Oh my god, yeah, yeah. Really, <laughs> that one. you really yeah. can come away with this like uh, whatever whatever yeah. you're uh, you come into it with, you can really come away yeah. with. <laughs> yeah, and, and this is the problem because. Uh, if you look at the JFK assassinations, like you have the official narrative, and then you have like uh, the big counter narrative, and then you have kind of like the like some people's private ideas. But with Olaf Palme, it's just private ideas. Like uh, if you have like if you would say like the big three or big four, then you've covered like seventy percent. What seventy percent of the population believes, and then you have the 30 remaining and they have you can have like any theory you you like like um if i were to like say the most probable is like i said earlier that it might have been a speed yankee and there was a a speed yankee who was actually charged with a crime and first was convicted but then he was uh, like in a lower circuit but then in a higher circuit he was freed and i would say that of like the named people, he's one of the more probable. Then there's another guy who uh, uh, they had like a gun that they think was the gun type of gun that would was uh, it was a Smith and Wesson revolver, and um, they actually tried uh, test shooting all of the uh, legally owned Smith and Wesson revolvers in the Stockholm area, which was over three hundred, and I think everyone sent in their gun to be test shoot. A shot apart from one guy oh. and now comes the <clears throat> and now comes the annoying part he just gets forgotten for several years uh, <laughs> and then when they realized oh one guy didn't send in his gun they like sent him a reminder and then nothing <laughs> happens and then they send a guy out to like talk to him and he talks to, to someone who might actually be like the wrong guy uh, and but the guy says yeah yeah sure I'll send it in it doesn't get sent in and that then that gets lost in the paperwork again. And then several years later, they actually realized, oh shit, oh fuck, oh shit. Oh my god! Everyone sent in their gun except for one guy. We must get hold of him. And then they finally get a hold of him. And, and then he says, I don't have it anymore. I sold it to a drug dealer a few years back. Great. <laughs> um, and now comes the question: Do you think he gets charged with like illegal selling of uh, guns? Do you, do you think it even affects his like license to own, own a gun? I sympathize. Fuck no. I'm very, no, I'm no, very no, no. forgetful. You know, I would, I could forget. I don't want to get, you know, I wouldn't blame him. Yeah, I'm very forgetful. Uh, and and this guy, a few years later, the police knocks on his door and then he shoots himself. Oh, oh, but, yeah. Oh, now oh comes the fun. Oh, 
now comes the funny part. Uh, these are just regular police who are there because his brother has kind of phoned the police and asked them to look in on him because they suspect his brother is suicidal. Okay, so they're so just they are doing just... Like a wellness check. They're not even there about like uh, no, know, no, about this gun that's been missing. <laughs> yeah, uh, and because they don't know that this is a big guy in the Palma investigation. Uh, the Palma investigation doesn't learn that he has killed himself. So when they finally learn of that, like his uh, his house has been like cleared and all of his belongings had just, they're not there they anymore. They got rid of, sure. But I mean, his yeah. brother or whatever, yeah. Yeah. So if he uh, somewhere had a journal which reads uh, what I did, how I did it, and why I did it, it's probably been thrown in the trash with the oh rest of the trash. Oh, uh, and like, he's my like number two for a guy who could have done That's it. very suspicious. Uh, I'm forgetful, but I'm not yeah. killing myself immediately when somebody knocks on my door, you know? Yeah, the thing is that that's probably, I think he was uh, just, he was depressed at that time, but there, that also fits into the profile because like... Exactly, I mean, yeah, I mean, I would say exactly, That's that just feeds the conspiracy theory, right, that he killed himself. Like, I imagine totally mundane circumstances. Personally, I'm very bad about checking my mail. Mm. I would miss a government notice to turn in my mm. shit and hopefully they would mm. forget about it for me too. Yeah. <laughs> so but, I can but, imagine but, that happening, uh, but, and then mm. him killing himself also, I mean, his brother obviously says this dude is you know is suicidal or there is something seriously you know serious issue so it doesn't come out of the blue but then if you're looking at this as a conspiracy theorist like that stands out so much (laughs) totally but but the thing is that he was actually like in the later part he was a real person of interest but the problem was that they couldn't find anything concrete to tie him to it because there was no gun and there are no witness there's no nothing uh, they actually had, like, there were reports that he actually once had fired his gun at the TV when Palme was on the TV. That's, come on. Um, <laughs> he, but, but, but it's documented they actually shot his TV. That's but, crazy. Uh, he, claims, he claims that he shot it while doing firearms maintenance. So, I mean, it's obvious that his story is sketchy as fuck. I mean, well, but you know that, what? If I so, if I accidentally discharge my gun, that's literally what every dude says when they're when they accidentally discharge their gun. Oh, I was yeah. cleaning it. I didn't realize there was a bullet in the chamber. <laughs> yeah. So I believe that he might have actually believed that he was firing an empty gun at the TV when Palmer was on it because he was a stockbroker and like a week before, like a week before, like no, no, the day before. Uh, Olaf Palme was shot. He had actually, the Social Democrats have made a change to how capital gains were taxed. Uh, So like the Thursday was called like the Black Thursday uh, uh, because of like the stock basically crashed and this guy was a stockbroker. So I mean he has got motive and everything but the, the thing is that there's also some things that speak against him but he's one of those guys that if the investigation had been a bit better and they had like the second when like you ask 300 people to send in their guns everyone sent it in except for one guy like to be to be honest like you don't expect the killer to send in the gun so it's a bit stupid that they spent time test firing the 299 and thinking about the 300 well we got so many guns to shoot anyway so we'll get around to that when we're we're probably just having fun you know that's a good gig probably yeah yeah and here's the problem that the investigation was so giganormous it was like 200 cops or something working on it so it was very easy to things to get uh, caught between the cracks because you had no one had any oversight and there were so many things going on at the same time. Well, I mean, for me personally, as a terrible employee, that sounds like the perfect investigation to kind of lose yourself, like as a a bad cop to just kind of lose yourself in and do nothing. Uh, Yeah, like uh, for the first year, uh, they they were reeling, running people ragged, doing stuff. For the later years, it it kind of became an experiment in basic income. For the people on it, because I mean, this investigation carried, I think they closed it three years ago. Uh, but up until then, it had been ongoing non stop for 24 years. Oh, the, and per- the I, perfect, absolute perfect gig for like a. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but for the first years, things were pretty intense and they were running around and doing stuff. But they yeah, I can imagine, very... especially, you know, when you don't, when you don't really turn up anything super significant after that first year. 
I can imagine a lot of the people who are at least uh, gung ho uh, would lose steam or move on to maybe more other investigations where you can actually build a career. And the dudes who are left behind are the dudes who are very happy to be <laughs> doing nothing. The, the problem was also during the first year that the guy who was in charge, he was, uh, he was. I think he got the job because he was what you could call politically reliable. Mm. Like he, he was a guy, and he went into this. Like he took charge, and I don't think he was the guy who was supposed to. But he, he announced a press conference and said that I'm going to do this. And I think that his main goal was because he had been kind of a fixer for the Social Democratic Party. That his main goal was that nothing, like no dark secrets, should be revealed during the course mm-hmm. of the investigation. And because of mm-hmm. that, like whenever, like he, they really didn't do this thing where you talk about. Like you talk to the people close to him and ask like what was happening in his life and who might have had a motive and let's turn all the unturned stones. He was very much like, let's not start turning any stones. Mm-hmm. Um, so he he tried to like, he very much believed that he should like get leads from the outside. So he, he announced a reward and he, uh, he put out a like a... Uh, Compos- facial composite of uh, like a suspect uh, and that facial uh, composite was like made by someone who was 400 meters away and saw a, susp- a suspicious person 10 minutes later oh was this so, uh, Stig Stig Erickson? no no I, I think it, th- this was someone hmm. else like she asked so a guy that uh, is, uh, when the and... investigation was concluded they do say that it was the Scandia <clears throat> man uh, who died in 2000 uh no, yeah. no, but no, no. That's that's not the that's not the uh, the, the facial composite was someone oh, else. Okay, great. Because it, it it was an image that was plastered all over. Like, have you seen this man? Basically, mm-hmm. and that generated like something like fourteen thousand telephone, like fourteen thousand people who said that he looked like someone they know. And this was just a random guy. So things like that completely. The shocked. Swedish Red Terror, but, just rounding yeah, up everybody. <laughs> yeah, but let's uh, go into the Scandia man. Uh, there was a uh, Netflix documentary a, f- a few a year back or so. Uh, this was after the investigation ended because they basically the investigation said that the guy called the Scandia man. You can't get around him. There's something with him, and if he was still alive, we would try to charge him, but he's dead, so we can't. So let's put down the investigation. Um, I believe that what they wanted to was basically to say, this has gone on long enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he is a very interesting person. And here, just to tell you like what mm-hmm. happened with him, uh, he, uh, as I said, people rushed to, to aid people at, at the scene. And uh, there were a number of people there. And he has later claimed that he was one of the first responders. Uh, so when they interviewed witnesses later, he um, he gives a story where he was one of the pers- people who were at the scene trying to give CPR. And he, he describes like the blood and what happened. Mm-hmm. And he also like actually comes... Uh, like. He leaves uh, his uh, for, he leaves work like a few minutes before the shooting, and then a few minutes like twenty minutes after he goes back to his like workplace, where like and he he goes in and he talks to the guards and he basically see, says that he has seen a murder and that a guy was shot and it was all of palm and it was blood and he tried to give first aid and stuff like that. And that's the story he tells. There's just a problem. No one else who was at the crime scene remembers seeing him. Uh, and that makes him pretty sus. Um, and my personal view is that I think that he was at the crime scene, but he didn't uh, run up and give first aid. He stood stood basically frozen, like just looking at the crime scene, because he has been able to identify all of the other witnesses. Uh, and I don't think that the killer would. I think the killer had other things on his mind. Uh, the killer wouldn't know who was giving first aid and stuff like that. Uh, but it's very sus with a guy who tries to insert himself at the crime scene. That's also a classic thing that people note that some killers do. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, like, there's a theory basically that he shoots Olaf Palme, he runs up, and then he kind of like loops back 
in some way, which is kind of a big bet, That's just assuming that no one would recognize but, it. Like, yeah. I can do like one, but maybe the... two things a day, like coming yeah. back, like, uh, you know, mm. I don't know. Mm. And, and there are some weird things with the story because he, he claims that he was at work the entire day, but there's indications that he went out to a very long lunch, like dinner lunch, during which he might have seen Olaf Palme going into the cinema so that he knew that Olaf Palme was at the cinema. But then, like, how the fuck is it supposed to know that when Palme goes back, he's going to uh, pass by my office? Uh, the the other thing that's kind of circumstantial I'll is say, that he, I don't yeah. I don't know if I buy this. Uh, you know, I I spend all day at work too, and I also take very long lunches every day. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. so I, I understand but, that. Yeah. Especially, yeah. I mean, but, sorry, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, but but there's this thing that he seems to have lied about the lunch, mm-hmm. and there's also like a lot of weird things with exactly what time did he like stamp like uh, go like he. he did this thing where he stamped your ticket when you go out mm-hmm. and that there's there's something with the time there that might be off and there's also like a back door to the house that was supposed <laughs> to be closed but that was open but the alarm didn't go off and so there's like all of these you can really lose yourself on this oh it's it's but, literally every detail you bring up it's there's something kind of suspicious about it but it could also be i mean how many exactly. i work in a factory where people punch in and out how many time cards are there discrepancies on and it's just because people are trying to steal yeah. 15 minutes or so like yeah and, and this is the thing this is what this is what happens when you try to basically try try to get to the bottom of everything then you found like whenever you turn a stone you find cockroaches under it and then you brush around the cockroaches and then you see under the cockroaches is a new sto- oh. stone under that stone more cockroaches it just never ends um, and like the final circumstantial thing is that the house he was working on was kind of the unofficial headquarter of Swedish Stay Behind. What? Come his on. boss was like one <laughs> of the guys who had been high up in Swedish Stay Behind. Uh, but the thing is that he he was kind of like he he was not a very well respected guy at his job. He wasn't like the guy he, his boss would go to. And if Swedish stay behind would kill the Swedish prime minister, I mean, why do it outside of your like main building? Like he literally got shot almost outside of Swedish stay behind. But uh, as I said in another context, like if, if the prime minister had been shot outside of uh, McDonald's, then you wouldn't say a yellow clown with a red wig must yeah. have done it. I mean... It's it <laughs> so, but but like if you if you want to see these things, then of course you can line it all up, and and that's the really annoying thing that every one of uh, like the theories that you can make have some things going for it, but it also have these stupid and obvious glaring holes in it, uh, and I really don't believe that it was this guy, but he was really really sus. Uh, the, the amount of coincidences in this yeah. in this freaking story are insane from the yeah. i mean i mean that's just absolutely wild <laughs> that he was yeah, shot right outside the the stay behind building basically yeah at that moment it, like it wasn't known as a stay behind building that that only came out like 14 years later or something i mean if but, someone uh, was shot right outside like one of the mm. secret nsa buildings here in chicago or something people would immediately be like okay there's some spy shit going on or something even if that's mm. like you say why would they do that it would be the most yeah. absolutely most ridiculous thing yeah <laughs> it's like that the, the guy who blew up his van uh, like uh, outside of something a few yeah, years yeah. back yes and, uh, exactly yeah yeah. Or yeah but it's like yeah but it's like well it's it's one of the nsa buildings and there are like a hundred of them in different places yeah yeah one of uh, our, uh, Jay Sakai uh, of Settler's fame, he is often accused of being a uh, an FBI agent. And because uh, he mailed in the original copy uh, within a few miles of an FBI building. Mm. Uh, unfortunately, if, if you know where all the FBI buildings are in, in the United States, there's one of practically a few miles from almost everywhere. Yeah. And like it's echoes of like this, the, like the Wuhan laboratory and stuff like that. Well, <laughs> You, you can always make big things out of these. But the thing with the Olaf Palme assassination is that, well, all of these people can't have killed Olaf Palme. 
Yeah. Like, as far as we know, it was just one guy. <laughs> so, like, no matter how many of these weird coincidences you find, like, 99.9% of them must have been just coincidences. Because, I mean, there's uh, there's also this thing I must just say about the witnesses, that uh, there were something like 12 people who said, who saw this happening. But uh, the witnesses don't really agree on anything. Uh, like, the thing someone once said that the only thing that we can know about the killer is that it in mo- all likelihood it was a man uh that's the only thing we know like that had a blue black or at least dark coat or sports coat um can but... I ask, uh, this mention of the ustasha uh by mm. uh mrs palma this happens mm. after it doesn't happen the night when they're taking interviews or anything like that right oh yeah oh mm. Here's the next problem. The witnesses get extremely poorly documented. <laughs> uh, like, they actually lose some witnesses during the initial night. So they have, like, interviews and they don't take down, like, the personal information. So they actually have to announce in the papers for some of the witnesses uh, because they've got the, lost track of them. And then they've lost the notes from the night in question. So when they finally get the witness statements, they've read like the, m- much like information in the papers. Sure, and so it's, been, you, you it's know... not fresh in your memory. I mean, even even exactly. if you haven't been biased yeah. by the news or yeah. whatever, like getting <clears throat> yeah. something the next day is is practically worthless. Yeah. <laughs> so so this like, did she actually say something about Nastasia, or didn't she, or like even that, I haven't been able to get any good sense of it but my sense is that she must have because in the initial reporting they said it were people from Ustasha but it might also come from some somewhere else and I mean this thing with uh, how badly it was handled it just boggles the mind like uh, just to go back to what we know half of the people said that the killer uh, didn't have uh, anything on his head like just dark hair the other half said that maybe had a beanie um like a, there's a we have a common type of beanie we have during winter in sweden um and like there's one guy who said that he had like a white white hat that looked a bit like a Sherlock holmes cap uh which is not unlike the cap that uh, the so-called scandia man oh. actually had this is why this, <laughs> but, yeah. but but this is just this is just one guy the other people said that he had nothing or a black beanie I, um so okay my gut feeling so, uh, just going what i've decided yeah. is vague stay behind bullshit went on that's my feeling mm-hmm. that's my that's what i think yeah. you're the king i think yeah. I, I you know i always uh, been on the stay behind with this sort of shit uh, yeah yeah, I'm actually most leaning towards it basically being uh, like someone who saw Olof Palme and kind of had a grudge. But uh, if I were to just make a summary of it, is that uh, this is a fascinating uh, like case uh, which was where the crime investigation was run extremely poorly. And the amount of mistakes that were made during the first night and during the first year were such that after the mistakes that were made, it you couldn't put Humpty Dumpty back together again. Uh, by manage, by ma- having failed witness confrontations and basically mishandling witness evidence and by not having a proper reconstruction, you made sure that we don't even know basic facts ab- about what happened. Um, for example, a few years back, there started a discussion whether it was actually Lisbeth Palme who was shot f- first and then Olof Palme. Oh and I don't believe it, but it's one of those things that it it can be brought up and it can be a real theory that can be discussed like for real, because even that, like, you don't really have that much to go on. How do how do Swedish conspiracy theorists have time for anything else? Yeah. Like, I can't... <laughs> Well, kind of, we don't. But the thing is that you're not really a conspiracy theorist because because that, that's the thing. You don't have even have to be kind of a nut to be interested in this. Like everyone in Sweden. But I would say that the thing isn't that our conspiracy theories are obsessed by this. We all are. We all have our pet theories. Like, mm. uh, like, like lots of people say like, oh, it's policeman C. I really think it's policeman C. 
uh, and someone saying, no, I, I think it's Policeman A. Then you're both wrong. It was the guy who didn't send in his gun. <laughs> Uh, and then someone says, "Well, one guy got convicted on it, and they couldn't just—they couldn't just make the conviction stick the second time. Like, but he was running the, guy. the profile. It's also it. great. It's yeah. also great that the investigation went on for so long. I mean, it gives yeah. you it was even more fodder. Search. Yeah. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. So, and, and this is like uh, the the only, uh, the thing is that today, not even if like a confession. They didn't even find the guy. Could they solve didn't find this the guy? because, yeah. yeah. Oh my god. Exactly. No, that's bullshit. This is all bullshit. So, well, thank you, thank you so much. Uh, really, we got a lot. Thank you this. so much, Gunnar. Uh, I was pretty happy thank with you. the stuff about uh, Swedish history because, like I said, you know, most people in the U.S. are not, gonna... and so kind of placing it as uh, as having any sort of like rivalry with Russia is, mm. for I think, for you know most Americans, absurd. Uh, but yeah. I I know that yeah. historically Sweden had been much more powerful, and so. Uh, it's it's just interesting, yeah. uh, you know. I think for a lot of people, when Americans look at you know European countries, it's hard for us to imagine uh, the time when when mm. these countries had real power uh, compared yeah. to the U.S. because we've been all so dominant for most of our lives. Mm. Yeah, but it, it's a bit like that meme about like w- we looking at Russia and say, "I feel sorry for you," and Russia just looking back and say, "Well, I, I don't really <laughs> think of you at all." Yeah. <laughs> so. Uh, like we, we, uh, Russia is very big in our minds, but I don't really think uh, it's not really a reciprocated rivalry. Well, everybody, uh, this has been another episode of West Bank Robbery. This was Gunnar Hansen, our chief northern ice giant uh, correspondent. Uh, we've had a great time today. Uh, Gunnar, I know Fun you to wanted to plug some stuff, uh, and I'm going to do that for you here. Uh, Gunnar <laughs> wanted to plug the game well, Dominions yeah. 5, the uh, chief Swedish military simulationist uh, video game. Um, yeah, DM me for more info. Along with all of the other, uh, the, we, along with the titles from Paradox. These people love maps. They're, they're map based people. Yeah. All right, guys. That was great. Uh, what do we say? Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, free Palestine, fuck the police. That's a wrap. Yeah.